the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 15th chapter. Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. You do not choose me, but I choose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. You know, I kind of I kind of hate to toot my own horn, but I must be really good at this pastor thing, honestly. Like I mean, I have like 250 followers on Facebook, so and oh, look at that. All these Mother's Day posts. That's so cool. Oh, there's a graduation one. Oh. Likes. Likes. Ooh, somebody got a new car. That's cool. Oh, wait. <laughs> Chat video. I love this one. You know, with the screen door, that's a cool one. Likes, no, love that one. Yeah, for sure. Oh, oh, sorry. Okay, where was I? Um, wait, hold on. I want to do a quick shot for Instagram, just real quick. So, double click. Uh, let's see, got to turn the screen on. There we go. There's the selfie mode. Smiling eyes. Got it. Okay. Let's see. Now, share. Choose a filter. I like sepia. That's good. Hashtag perfect preacher. Okay. Now, I got to mess up my hair a little bit here for this one. <laughs> Show the bags under my eyes and the little wine, wine stain on my robe. This one's for my, this one's for my Finstagram. All right. I know a lot of you don't know what that is. Okay. Share. No filter on this one. Can't do a filter on that. All right. Done. Okay, yeah, sermon, let's go. Here we go. <clears throat> Jesus speaks powerfully about friendship and about love in our gospel for today. But how do we possibly get close to what he is saying? If our sort of predominant cultural reference for friend and follower, for liking and loving, is social media. 
Now, I want to be clear. First of all, I know that's not the reference point for many people. But I also want you to know I'm not going to launch an attack on social media today. It would be a little bit ironic since we are simulcasting on YouTube right now, right? And we're going to put this video on our Facebook later and all that kind of stuff. So I want to be clear. I'm not going to launch into that, into just an all-out attack. This is bad. This is good. Especially also when social media does have the opportunity or the, or the, um, the potential anyway to offer a lifeline uh, for people during a pandemic to be connected, to help distant relatives uh, see one another, uh, to, to see the births of, of babies when you can't be there, when you can't go into the hospital or, or travel. And even, as I've seen it used a few times, as a tool in the ICU, as a nurse holds a smartphone or a tablet so someone at the end of their life can connect with family members. Now, all this social media stuff, I will say sometimes, and I don't know, maybe you're the same as I am, and I know, by the way, this is true for young people as well. I hear this sometimes. That they kind of long to have just a cabin in the woods somewhere, right, where we grow our own food. We have a couple of homespun shirts and pants that were not made in China and delivered by drone in two-day shipping. Candles for light, outhouses, you know, you kind of get the idea. But I know for myself, given my skill level as a pioneer, I kind of don't want to die either, so I'm probably not going to choose that path. But I do want to be awake today to what Jesus is offering us, what he's, what he's saying and what he's really doing with his love and what he is offering and calling us to with this invitation to friendship. At the very end of his book on youth ministry, Andrew Root says something really fascinating, and I just want to read this part because I think it connects for us today and kind of maybe makes this distinction a little bit. Even the cell phones are rejoicing at this word, yes. All right. <laughs> he says this about friendship. He really takes heart and really holds on to this word in this, in this, in this book. He says, friendship is powerful and beautiful because like a reflex, it leads us into the life of another to receive and to give ministry, to give and receive a gift. Friendship is our deepest move of sharing in the happenings of others. There is no way to be a friend other than to share in happenings, occurrences, episodes, and moments of another. When something happens to us, we feel compelled to tell a friend, to have this friend share in our being by sharing the narrative of our experiences. Facebook is worth $500 billion thanks to the human spirit's insatiable desire to reach out to a friend and share our happenings. And here's the key part. But the reaching out itself doesn't solidify a friendship. What makes someone a true friend, and more than just a friend on Facebook, is that they embrace the shared happenings with concern. Compassion might be the word I would use for concern as well. He goes on to say that actually social media can kind of boomerang on us because like, kind of like the 24-hour news cycle that's just com constantly bombarding us with, with stuff, with all these happenings, with all these events, with all these stories, we actually can have kind of two reactions. First, we don't have the ability, as he says, to give a rip. We can't have deep concern for all of this stuff and the second is that we build resentment toward our friends and their stupid, perfect life. 
Now, this actually plays out, too. Um, they, they've done studies, and this is kind of an aside, but they've done studies that, that at a certain point, the more friends or followers you have on social media, the, the more your, your kind of depressive state kind of goes down, kind of sinks you down, because all of this perfection is bombarding you all the time. But it also plays out, too, as many young people instinctively have gone to things like Finstagram, which actually Finstagram isn't a thing. It's just a kind of a slang term. And it's ironic because it's a mashup of the word fake and Instagram. They have their main Instagram kind of page where the beauty and the perfection and all the filters, everything's posted just perfectly. Again, ironically, that's called the real Instagram. And they may have 400 or more friends or followers there, but their Finstagram is full of unfiltered pics, bloopers, mess-ups, mistakes, even sometimes confessions. And here's what's really interesting to me. It's usually only shared with maybe six to eight or so very close friends. That's the fake one. <laughs> maybe it isn't so fake. Maybe this is a little closer to where Jesus is going. And those who use it in this way, i got to give them credit for kind of pushing back at what they're drawn into, as Pastor Bill talked about last week, that kind of rabbit hole that we can go down. As a side note, I also think it's, it's the power of small group ministry in a church. It's cool to see one of our rows filled up with a small group. You're all in each other's bubble, and, and it's, it's awesome to see that. Because in small group ministry in this church, I know, and in other places, we've seen the transformation in the lives of people who get to share real friendship, deep caring, even if, and sometimes because of the fact that they are very different in their views, in their understandings of the world, in all kinds of ways. We're made to enter deeply into friendship, into relationship, and into the differences that that brings, into the aha moments of joy. There's a profound need we have for this kind of connection. It's kind of built into us genetically, and, and there's a profound joy that we receive in sharing it. Well, in this book, the starter question that he has is to ask, what is youth ministry for? Is it for fun? Is it to teach morals? Is it to connect? Is it to find a date with a good Christian boy or a good Christian girl? Anybody meet their spouse in youth group? Just out of curiosity, anybody willing to? Okay, okay apparently that's not what it's for then. <laughs> we'll X that one off the list. <laughs> but uh, at the conclusion, and, and actually even in the first chapter, he kind of explores this, but the conclusion is, so that here's the spoiler alert, is that youth ministry is for joy. Not happiness, that's very different, but for joy. And honestly, that's another loaded word. But interestingly, in Jesus' words about love and about friendship, Jesus begins here with joy. And if we pay attention to where we are in the story of Jesus, that's astounding. Jesus is between Judas leaving the table, a table, by the way, where Jesus fed him in this first communion, which is incredible in, in itself. But Jesus is between Judas leaving the table to betray him, and Peter denying him three times. He's on the brink of a death he knows is coming. One he knows will be horrendous. It will be hard. 
He's not anxious to get to the cross. And yet this command of love and invitation to friendship in that love pours joy into us. Jesus talks about joy at the brink of death. He talks about making our joy complete. You see, Jesus has journeyed with these disciples in deep relationship through absolutely mind-blowing insight into the heart of who God is, things we take for granted, with mercy for those who were considered outside the love and outside the kingdom of God. Jesus has shared with these disciples. He's cared for them. I would argue that he's received even care from them on the deepest level. He's called them into a life and a mission full of meaning. And now he uses the word friend to invite the disciples deeper into abiding in him. And abiding in him means they are abiding in the Father. And as a way to send them out in the practice of this kind of love he's offering. To pour the joy of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ, into the hearts of others. To friend them through a depth of caring that reflects Jesus' own love. His own imminent death cannot overpower the joy of friendship in God's love. Now, this is, of course, grounded in, in God's word. Jesus, you know, um, talks about those commandments that he's given. And these aren't just sort of the Ten Commandments that we maybe learned in confirmation class or, or something like that. I mean, it, it definitely reflects the love and the gift of those as well. But the commands that Jesus is giving to them, all of this that they've walked with him, and if you, if you think, well, what are those? Then go back and read them and, and join with those disciples and sitting at the feet of Jesus and hearing his word. That's why we study the Bible and wrestle with it and, and, and why, we, why we read it and repeat it. And it's played out, God's word lived out. It's played out in real time and space, this love. When Peter is confronted with baptizing and eating with Gentile outsiders, this is an absolutely colossal move in the church that causes division in that same church for the next five chapters of Acts. But because Peter has been called friend, because he's been drawn into abiding in Christ's love, he cannot resist this bold move. It is the natural flow of joy. Like a like, a, like a, you know, a, a river overflowing its, its banks or the tide coming in. It just flows out that others might abide in this love, that, that there's this flow of joy. And we hopefully have not only glimpses, but absolutely glaring examples of this kind of love, this friendship of care, this joy that hardship cannot overpower. You know, when we think today of mothers, or, or maybe those who are mentors or, or mother figures for us. I think of my mom breaking through my sorrow. I was kind of trying to hide away with my tears after a frustrating game that we lost. And I'm sitting there with my third degree ankle sprain just throbbing and the pain of that and even more so the emotional pain of this stupid game. <laughs> and my mom won't let me be. Because of her care, she enters into that space with me. And she is unblinking in her love and care. I think of my wife knowing my kids like I can't even imagine how she can know them so well. 
She knows them not only just one time, like she knows herself, but, but deepening her knowledge of them as they change and as they grow and as they evolve. And she joys in that discovery of who they are. Now, these are but a tip of the iceberg examples of love and friendship, and I'm sure you have your own. And we hopefully get to experience those, and we hopefully get to offer those to others. We're created to experience this kind of joy and friendship. We're, ex we're created to initiate this kind of joy and friendship and love. But all of it is a moral lesson at best, nice stories and examples, if not for Jesus actually acting out this love. Not just talking a good game about laying down your life, but actually laying down his life. Not just giving us a friendship in words, but a friendship of action. Not just loving on us, but being hated for us. Ultimately taking shame and blame so we would be saved and we would be freed so that we might love as he has commanded us and invited us to love. In her article, I have called you friends, Gail O'Day um, from Baylor University says, the pattern of Jesus' own life and death moves the teaching of John 15 from this philosophical idea to an embodied promise and a gift. Promise and gift, that's sort of consistent with God's story throughout the whole scripture from creation on. And yet, because Jesus calls his disciples and us friends, it is something we have the opportunity to repeat. It isn't something we view and go, wow, that's super amazing. Look at Jesus. But it's something we can actually do. Now, few of us will probably die for another. Most of us will be like that mug that keeps coming up for me on Facebook Marketplace. I like to go and look at things that I can't buy. But anyway, I go on Facebook Marketplace, and this mug keeps coming up, and it says, I would wrestle a bear for you. And then it says, you know, not like a brown bear or a black bear, but like a care bear, something like that. I would totally take on one of those for you. That's kind of how I feel like my life of sacrifice goes sometimes. But we do have the invitation to love and an enormous amount of opportunity to practice it, to befriend, to know to care deeply, to reach across lines uncrossed. Not as a servant doing what we're told, but as a friend abiding in joy. It's kind of, for me, it's like the difference between going to church because you have to and coming to worship. Um, you know, like, it's a, like you're going to a friend's house for a celebration dinner. Like the difference between tolerating people and accepting them fully. And the examples can continue on and on. Jesus has friended us for the mission of love, one he has lived and died for, and one he has been resurrected to call us into and, and with joy. May it be our joy to like, to love, to share in Jesus' name. Amen.